Hello. Hi. How are you? I'm doing okay. How are you doing? I'm good. Thank you so much for coming on the show. We are recording. Just to let you know. Okay. You're welcome and thank you for having me. Um, usually what I do is I welcome my guests and then I just let them start to tell their story and then I interject with questions in between. Okay. All right. That sounds good. Um, well, my name is Shahida, aka Language Bay, and I am the creator of Black Girls Learn Languages a multi-platform digital community for Black women who are in the language community. So whether they know how to speak multiple languages or they're learning or they're just language enthusiasts and, and they just know a little bit about languages or, or know about that's basically what it's for. So um, I got started with that because I love languages I, I've loved them ever since I can remember. Um, Spanish was actually like my first love, very, very love. And um, throughout my life, just studying languages, people would just always treat me like I was an anomaly, like, oh, okay, well, you know, black girls don't usually do that. And I'm just like, that's, that can't be true. <laughs> I know that's not true. Um, but I didn't see anyone that looked like me that was interested in languages I knew it was, I knew there was there because if I existed, obviously someone like me also exists, but I just couldn't find them. And so flash forward to uh, about two years ago, I was online and I, I was just like, man, no one's made this community yet. Like I figured it would, you know, we have so much stuff going on now, um, you know, Black Girl Rock, Black Girl Magic, and all these other communities, you know, the Black Nerd Movement. And so I just knew somebody would have created it by now, and nobody did. So I just decided, let me just go ahead and create it, because it needs to be created. So that's basically just a, a summary of where that came from. Well, because, you know, it's interesting you say that. I have been a part of the Polyglot community on Facebook for about five years now. And for me personally, I'm the only, and I felt like this, I was the only person that was African-American and I am partially blind that is in the community active with the quote unquote white Anglo-Saxon world. So whether right. you're from the U.S., Canada, Western Europe, Eastern Europe, Australia, New Zealand, they're all white. Right. And it's just like, okay, I understand I have a disability. I have a vision problem. Okay, that's one thing. I was welcomed with open arms. But I couldn't find nobody, hardly, that was in the African-American community that was present other than Moses McCormick. That's it. Like... I was like, where the heck is all the, I wouldn't have cared if it was an Asian person or a Middle Eastern person or even a Latina. I mm -hmm. saw, you know, I just saw all these white males and maybe a couple of white females. And that was, that was the big 
um, you know, draw. They were popular. Blah, blah, blah. And I said, I know there has to be some more black people around. <laughs> or <laughs> Latinas or something. This is just crazy. Oh. And I... It, I became friends with a lot of, of the polyglots and, you know, from all over the place. And then I said, I need to start a podcast show because there wasn't hardly anybody of color in podcasts. Right. And for languages, <laughs> I just was like, okay, I'm going to start this and see what happens. And I didn't know if the people I was communicating with on Facebook would even take me seriously and come on my show and when people started to come like Shannon Kennedy and Lindsay and and Kirsten which they've been very supportive as women they've been very supportive of what I'm trying to do and then Mm -hmm. you know a lot of the the males have been supportive too but in that mix you still have those people where okay you have the egos you know, you have mm-hmm. um, the the questions of, well, how much can you see? Well, I can see the bigger picture. I can't see the smaller picture. So if I can't read newspaper font, which is 12 font, that tells you something right there. I know right. what a house looks like. I know what grass and trees and the ground and all that. I just cannot read someone's home address. So mm-hmm. when I explain this, it seems to go out one ear, through one ear, out the other. Or they don't know how to talk to you <laughs> because mm-hmm. they see the disability, they don't see the person. Right. And so it's it's very frustrating. Um, I mean, I've interviewed a few people where I've, and I will not mention names, but I will say, I just was like, wow. You, you see the the more successful someone gets, the more mm-hmm. comes in the play, the more they mm-hmm. being a person. They become mm-hmm. like an entity all to themselves, and they have their little following. Right. And then when you email them to say, "Hey, I would like you to be on my show." This is why. You don't get a response. Right. And then when you explain and you, you know, because this is an educational platform. So you are having a website. I'm all about transparency. I'm all about accessibility. So if someone has a screen reader on their Mac, for instance, like voiceover on the Mac, and I'm trying to read the material you have on your site, or I want to buy something that you created, I think Mm -hmm. it would be beneficial for me. Maybe, maybe not. If I cannot interact with a form field because the software isn't compatible with your site because your site isn't compatible with ADA compliance in regards to software and, you know, it just didn't, it's not working. Then if I tell the person and I explain what's going on, I'm hoping they would fix this because you're going to have people that's going to come on your site. 
They're going to need to be able to access the buttons on your site to be able to access whatever, whatever, whatever. And mm -hmm. I've gotten a lot of pushback. And then people are saying, well, you, it's good that you're bringing this to everyone's attention because they really don't know. And I said, yes. Is it that they don't know? Or is it that they don't care? Because legally speaking, if you live in the U.S., disability mm -hmm. yourself, you are capitalizing off of the ADA and what the ADA has to offer for people that are disabled, are mm -hmm. creating an educational platform that is for everybody, supposedly, but your stuff is in PDF, is not in TXT format or rich text format, mm -hmm. the screen reader can actually read the text because if it's in PDF, it, the, the words are on the screen. But the, the software, it can't read it. It just has a mm -hmm. blank screen. So when you try to tell people this, it's like they don't want to put the extra time to make sure their stuff is compliant because, well, I'm trying to save you from a lawsuit, honey. <laughs> right. You know, but I would think they say that we're supposed to be this warm and welcoming community. But you're catering to certain disabilities, but you're not catering to everybody. So if you right. have ADD, ADHD, Asperger's, adult autism, you're dyslexic, okay, you can still read that. But if you're, but there are people that are in the blindness community that are partial and they might have dyslexia. So they might be able to read mm -hmm. it. Or they might not be able to know Braille because they have sensitivity issues because of, you know, having to poke their fingers twice a day to keep their blood levels. So mm. I try to get people to understand <laughs> accessibility is important, especially a company right. and you're selling products that are supposed to be language learning. It's it. Yeah. It, it, and sometimes I do feel like it's about um, the money now and less about, the language learning and in in helping people become better language learners. Right. And I mean, evidently, if I were to ever get to that point, I would never want to become so my ego so big to where I forget the the that I started at the bottom tip. Right. So I, I mean know. that that's something that I, I see a lot of. A lot mm -hmm. of. But certain people claim that they're not, oh I'm not really. <laughs> I'm not the only one. I'm the only <laughs> one to see this. And it's funny too because I'm going to be interviewing Moses McCormick soon, eventually. Because he said yes. And everybody in the community was like, wait, how did you get him? And I said, Well, I followed him since 2014. Um, we've been talking back and forth. I watch his YouTube videos. He's really good at what he does. He knows his shit. Now, <laughs> you might have not been able to get him, and I wonder why. Okay, are you communicating with him? Are you really following his stuff, or are you just watching his stuff and then saying it on your show, and then that's it? You're not really getting mm -hmm. to know the person. If you don't right. get to know the person, how are you supposed to? How are you supposed to have a rapport? You know, and it's mm -hmm. just, to me, it's almost like, like I've mentioned to people, 
you know, like with the certain conferences, I said, okay, are you guys going to ever stream these? Because what people fail to realize is when you stream a conference, whether it's like the ACB or NFB conferences, they, people can't make it from around the world because it's way expensive for travel reasons. Mm-hmm. Go on the internet, you, mm-hmm. you can download it in your format and you can listen to the entire convention for free as it's going mm-hmm. on. And I said, well, why can't you guys do that? Because that would help people, you know, that would give them some motivation to be like, I want to save my money so I can go to Langfest or I want to save my money so I can go to the polyglot conference, wherever the crap is going to be. Right. But then when you sit there and hear, well, I'll take that under consideration. It's like, in the back of my head, are you really going to take that into consideration or are you just going to ignore it because you want people to come? Now, realistically, right. not everybody has a passport. Not everyone has funds to go all over Europe. Right. You know? Exactly. And so I, I, I love women in language for that reason. Because, you know, but then people are like, well, there are other events. I was like, really? Where are they? Where are they? It's like, how are you supposed to know this information if it's not being advertised? So, I mean, that's, and it it kind of, like, I was really shocked. I was like, wait a minute. There are black chicks in freaking the U.S. that are learning languages too? Awesome. I need to meet them. Because I'm going to be talking to Tamara Marie next month. And I listened to her um, podcast and I liked it a lot. And um, yes, it is so good. I love it. Yeah, I, I was like, Ooh, I like this. You know, I too Mm -hmm. learned Spanish in college about 18 years ago Mm -hmm. with no internet. I had a black guy that had a master's degree in Spanish history. He lived in Spain for a year as a foreign student Mm -hmm. and he was fluent in Spanish, Italian and French. And he was so fluent that he was able to write comic books in the languages. Oh, wow. How nice. And he was, he knew how to draw and everything. It was, oh, like, he taught K through 12. That's before the K through 12 thing out of the education. But he, he, he noticed that I was good at languages. I just didn't have the, I liked the cultural side of it. I like the music, the movies, well, not so much, but mm-hmm. the music, the dancing, the food, the people. That was my lovely part of it that I enjoyed. I really wasn't the best speaker because, well, I lived on the east side of Cleveland in the suburbs. I wasn't on the west side of Cleveland and, you know, where all the Latinos were. Yeah. So when I moved to California, you know, um, I tried to speak Spanish and I got nothing but pushback. So, you know, you, really? yes, I got nothing but negative. And I literally stopped speaking after that. I just kept singing. And I didn't realize that I was becoming fluent because I was singing the Shakira and Ricky Iglesias and Pitbull and Ricky Martin. And I had a two-hour conversation with someone from Mexico last year. And they 
<laughs> well, let's just say they were extremely condescending. After no, I started to get a headache because I wasn't used to speaking in Spanish for that long. Well, when I got off the phone, um, it took two hours for the headache to come down. That's how bad it was. And after I got off the phone with this person, I had another phone call from Colombia, and they wanted to speak. And I was like, I can't speak. I have a headache. And she said, okay. And, and then, because um, I was working with her on her Spanish, I mean, her English. And so she said, you do realize you're fluent in Spanish, right? I'm like, no, I just thought I sucked. I really did. I thought I sucked. And then I taught myself Russian four years ago for the first time. And I came, oh. three years later, I was at C1. Um, and now I'm doing French, Italian, um, Cantonese, Turkish, and Thai. Mm -hmm. So I've been doing, wow. I've been doing French for like a year now, off and on. But I'm like at A2 going into a B1. But my, comp my passive learning in French and Italian and Dutch is very high. That okay. I'm really can focusing on are the, the Thai, the Cantonese, and the Turkish. So I at least want to get them all to eventually a B1 level. And then I'll, I think after B1, I, I won't forget it. It'll be in my. <laughs> and then, um, well, I wouldn't forget it after A2, but that's just too simple. So, um, you know, I want to get to at least that. And then I want to go on to um, Japanese. Hindi, Swahili, and Egyptian Arabic. So, mm -hmm. but I mean, that's me personally. Like, I have a degree in theater and film as well, so a bachelor's degree in theater, and a, a, a film certification in directing, screenwriting, and producing. So, plus my oh, wow. business English. So, yeah, I, <laughs> I pretty much decided I'm going to do this podcast thing and see where it takes me. And then eventually I might do a blog. I haven't decided yet. <laughs> I think you should. I think that would be good. I just, I mean, I guess because I'm still trying to learn all of this social media stuff. It's, you know, <laughs> I just got an Instagram account last month. But mm -hmm. I don't take very many pictures unless it's of my dog or food. <laughs> my guy dog found on my Labrador chair. So, yeah, we, I, I pretty much, um, you know, everyone's like, you're not really passionate about languages. I was like, I am passionate. I mean, how passionate do you have to be? Right. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm, I can be very happy about something that I've achieved, whether ordering mm -hmm. food over the phone in Cantonese two months ago or, something small but I'm not going to jump off the rooftops you know I take my time with it I'm not someone that likes to rush and I see that a mm -hmm. lot where people are like oh well you can learn this in three months you can become fluent in three well wait a minute let's talk about mm -hmm. let's talk about <laughs> have you learned right. any other languages before you know or is right. it for bragging rights because I see a right I see that a I see that too. I just, I see that a lot too. And I'm just curious, what are your, I mean, I, I know I've said a lot, but what are your thoughts? Uh, 
on what you've seen so far, like in the language learning community? I mean, because I, I'm a part of so many different communities in regards to language learning. It's unreal. Um, you name mm-hmm. the language. I, I'm a part of Romanian group, Polish group, Hungarian group, Afrikaans group, Italian, French, German, Spanish. Russian. <laughs> um, yeah. Can't, um, Japanese, can't, um, Thai. Wait, no, I'm not a part of Thai group yet. Um, but yeah, I plan on doing Hindi, Swahili at some point. So, and someone at Christopher Home asked me, well, why, if you're not studying these languages, why? I was like, because they're people. Mm-hmm. We live in a global community. It doesn't matter right. their language. Maybe they need help with English. You never right. know. I try. Dude, I come from a multicultural family, so I just found out I'm one quarter Irish. Yeah, for <laughs> real. I did. And I found out that I have a uh, 40% Bandu tribe in me where they speak Swahili in West Africa. And so I just found that out. Plus, I have some Cherokee and some Blackfoot Indian along with African American. So, you know, plus I have a cousin that's part Chinese and Mexican and Black, and then there's Irish, German. So, yeah. It's, yeah, we we have a very multi-ethnic family. So it doesn't, <laughs> for me, people are people, you know, yeah. and I, my whole thing is I learn languages to communicate with people, not to impress somebody. Right. So, totally understand that. Um, I'm just curious, what was the youngest age for you? Like, you know, when you knew it was, this was the thing you wanted to do with your life? Um, the youngest age, uh, I, I'm trying to think, I, I even want to say like three years old, four years old. Like, I remember hearing Spanish all the time because I'm, I'm from Brooklyn, New York. And so um, we lived in Bushwick and there are a lot of like, um, Puerto Ricans in New York City. Um, so I went here Spanish a lot. My mother also dealt with a lot of people that were Latin, like from Puerto Rico or Panama or whatever. Mm-hmm. So I would hear it a lot, like with her friend or, you know, whatever. And um, I just was like, oh my God, I love the way that sounds. And so I even remember, I think I was, was it in the fourth grade or the fifth grade? It was one of those grades. I don't remember. I was in elementary school and I was like, I'm going to put the TV on Telemundo and I'm going to watch Telemundo all week and I'm going to be fluent in Spanish because I just, I wanted to speak it so bad. And that didn't work. Ah! I just sat there watching Telemundo like, what's going on? <laughs> They're speaking so oh, quickly. Wow. I don't even understand. But, um, <laughs> Wow. I did pick up on a lot. I did pick up a lot of words and stuff like that. Right. And it was enough to, you know, just kind of have like some kind of conversation or try when I really had right. to. But that was the youngest for me. I want to say like three or four. That's why I say I, I, all my life I've, I've, I've loved languages. You know, so. I wanted to. Sp- okay. I had a half black, half Puerto Rican godmother. I had like two, three godmothers. And then I had. Mm-hmm. But I don't remember her because I was a baby when she died. Mm-hmm. But oh, I'm sorry. Oh, thank you. I but see this is the problem. I remember that she was German. I don't like. I remember what her name was, Hilda. However, I don't. 
I was so young, I don't remember anything else other than that. And so my my main connection was American Sign Language. One of my friends um, taught me American I became mm-hmm. fluent at you know very young age, like five. And I went to school where there were deaf kids, so I was able to communicate. And mm-hmm. then after a while, you know, I didn't use it. So I only remember A1 level, probably. But the mm-hmm. second language I ever learned, but Spanish was the first foreign language. I mean, I learned it from, you know, a little bit of osmosis. And I don't know if you went through that period where you actually made up a language in your head and you start speaking it just because. <laughs> I did that. And some Spanish words were coming out and I didn't realize it. And then, and then I learned stuff from Maria from um, Sesame Street. Oh, yeah. Uh, like I learned my numbers one to 10. Mm-hmm. And um, I took it for real in college because I didn't have it. I had a week of it in um, junior high school, but because I couldn't read the blackboard, I couldn't read the books. Um, you know, I, it just didn't click. I wanted to speak. French, Russian, Italian. No, it was, you know, Spanish was kind of somewhat forced on me. So I didn't really have a choice but to take it because that language Mm -hmm. offered at the community college branch I was at. The rest of them were either downtown or on the west side, which would take about two buses to get to the west side just to do Russian. So, and at the time, Mm -hmm. politics and all this, and I, languages was not, it was, Enough to get my bachelor's degree. It, you know, mm-hmm. I really didn't get into it until my late 30s. And I'm about to be 42 soon. So, um, oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, so I, I went, I decided on March 5th, 2015, Chanel's going to try Russian. And I, I went and got the Russian <laughs> and I was, I did the Russian Made Easy by Mark Thompson, his 30 lessons, and I got hooked. I've always wanted to learn Russian and French and Italian ever since I was younger. So that stayed with me. I needed a mm-hmm. way to get the information. And then I started making friends with people from innovative language learning. And, <laughs> and I just started doing tune in radio and just started speaking. I'm mm-hmm. an auditory learner. So I do a lot of speaking and I, I like the immersion method. So I just, even if I don't understand I'll keep listening. I did a whole year of speaking Russian. And then I did a whole another year of nothing but listening to Russian TV from okay. six days, seven days a week. That improved wow. my tremendously. People were like, are you serious? I'm like, I had it in the background. I mean, I didn't mind listening to President Putin's three-hour marathon state-to-state address. That didn't, I learned so much from listening to him speak. It was unreal. Well, he's a good speaker. And Mm-hmm. I like Russian politics and, and history and all that. And I can, yeah, I, I've met so many amazing Russians since being in the language learning. They were the first people to welcome me in the community. So, Aww. along with the Brazilians. And, you know, I mean, I have friends from all over now. So, it, mm-hmm. I still get, oh, well, thank you for attempting to speak French, but can we speak English? Wait a minute, you called me for an exchange. <laughs> Let's do half in English, half French. Then when they still don't get it, I block them. Because I don't have time. Mm-hmm. You know, you're wasting my time. Mm-hmm. So, 
then when they realize they can't contact me, then they realize, oh, well, I must have pissed her off. I'm like, oh, yeah, you did. Because that was rude. Mm-hmm. We're all trying to learn from each other. <laughs> That's right. the whole point. You know? But, you know, I mean, I've I've made, I would say, some really good polylot friends. I mean, anytime you can interview Alex Rollins and Richard Simcott and Jimmy Mello and Ollie Richards and all them, you know, I mean, I got to interview Susanna Sarevsky. She was just as curious about me as I was her. <laughs> um, I would love to have her come back on, though, because I would love to hear about the Adino language. I, I found that to be so interesting. Her, mm-hmm. um, it, it was it was interesting. It really was. I didn't expect it to be, to be honest with you, but I was so like, oh my God, now I want to learn Ladino. Right. And I, I, I could understand what mm-hmm. she was saying. Well, evidently, because it was so similar to Spanish. Mm-hmm. You know, I could understand it. So I was just like, oh, well, this is interesting. But um, she's, I, I would call her high partial because she is visually impaired. But I would mm-hmm. call her high partial because she could still read. She doesn't she doesn't use Braille. So and I, I use Braille, but I don't I don't use it in the same way as someone that's totally blind because I was never born totally blind. So I wouldn't know what that's like. I know half the body. Right. But the other half, you know, I've been able to see. Just not mm-hmm. enough to drive, which I don't really care about that. So <laughs> it's not that you know or be all. And I used to be a large print reader and writer but I no longer can read print so I everything's auditory and I type everything out and whatever else and you know that's I learn everything so you know honestly like for me you know people still try to understand how do I I was like well didn't you learn your first language by ear or did you forget that over time (laughs) because you you're learning how to read and write and once you do you totally forget oh I do have ears I do have <laughs> yeah and I it, it does become a little bit difficult sometimes but I, I try mm-hmm. to take a step back and realize they don't understand and so that's where I just say look I'll make a podcast about this or I'll make an episode mm-hmm. or I'll interview somebody or and like Alex Rowling's like, keep doing your podcast because not everyone knows about accessibility issues. Not everyone knows about, right. you know, blindness or the different degrees of it. And I was like, I'm only going from my experience. Of, for me personally, I can't speak for the whole community because body situation right. is different. Just like everyone that has ADD or Asperger's or autism or dyslexia, their situation is different. You can't clump everybody mm-hmm. in the same group because they have the, they have a disability. So, but they do it all the time. They do it all the time. I mean, even with, you know, they like to clump people of color in the same group, and it's like we all have different needs and we we have different struggles. You know right. what I mean? Oh, trust me, I know because I've been certified for two years with my TEFL certification, and I still cannot get hired anywhere. Nowhere. Really. Really, at all, online, in person, and I don't know what it is, but if you have adult autism, people feel more empathetic. Uh, they're very bright people, and I know plenty of people, whether they're 
able body or whether they have a visual impairment that have autism. Yet, I know certain people where they're unpredictable. You don't know what they're going to do from one moment to the next. Their communication skills are very erratic. And mm -hmm. As far as their concentration level, they have to be able to do that thing in that space and that what, you know, whatever the situation is. And I'm like, wow. Um, and I thought me just having a visual impairment was, you know, not being able to read print hardly anymore isn't a problem for me because of audio and braille. But for someone that has all these other disabilities on top of if they're totally blind, for instance, I could just imagine what that's mm -hmm. like. You know, that would just be okay. a nightmare to have to juggle through, especially if you're trying to be employed. But mm -hmm. the society, either if you're not good at technology, then you could forget it. Um, <laughs> if you're, you know, if there's science or whatever, it's hard if you're someone that studied the performing and professional arts or the humanities to really get in the door. You have to have some type of niche in order mm -hmm. to be able to get in the door. And so I said, I'm just going to create a podcast and see what the hell happens. You know, <laughs> mm -hmm. you know, um, but at the same time too, it, I don't think people realize, yes, would I like to go to Langfest? Yeah. If I can afford it. Now the ticket mm -hmm. prices aren't bad. No. If you buy them early enough. Um, you know, if you got a roommate, you know, and I might actually make a podcast about that uh, mm -hmm. around how you can save money to go somewhere, whether it's in the States, outside the States, because a lot of people feel like they have to flip the bill for all of it. If, if you know people in the polyglot community and you became friends with them, I would be, hey, you going? Sure. Hey, you want to be, sure. <laughs> you want to split this? Because if you do that, if you split the food cost, the transportation cost, when you get there, um, you you will save so much money in right. the long run. And mm -hmm. I mean, I do that when I used to go to NFB conventions. I would have like two other roommates or three other roommates, and we would split the the cost of a week in a four or five star hotel for like. Oh, let's say if it was three of us, like $200. And then we paid for our, our plane ticket and we had door to door transportation. So the person reimbursed me for, you know, having them on my thing. And oh, yeah, we, we split money down, we split food, everything, you know, just because it was so expensive. And that makes a lot of sense right. when you're traveling, whether you're living in the States or wherever you may live. Mm -hmm. And and as far as language conferences are concerned, I, I heard the B&B &B situation, that's something that, you know, a lot of people do just to save money, which I've never tried before, but I would like to. I did it for the first time. How did you like it? Um, <laughs> it's a little tricky because I'm actually still doing it. <laughs> So um, basically what happened was um, I created an account a while ago because someone had gave me a $40 credit 
but I never went anywhere, so I didn't use it. And then I was looking for a place um, now just to have some accommodation. And I got really lucky. And the lady was really nice. She's really, really, really super, super nice. So um, I looked out because <laughs> I read some horror stories. So I right. really lucked out. And um, it actually ended up working out for me because um, I needed something a little bit longer so then like a couple of days so it actually worked out perfectly because she needed someone to be there long couple days but she just didn't want to go through the process of trying to like post and everything because it was so short term right. so it actually ended up working in my favor so I think I would advise um, reading the reviews and stuff because they're there so don't ignore right. them and then also you know communicate beforehand with the um person who's offering the accommodation to you um you know that's what I did I pretty much wrote whoever I was interested in staying mm -hmm. with I pretty much wrote them in advance I was like hey this is my situation you know I see that it's available for such amount of time you know is it possible to extend that sure. and everybody pretty much responded to me and told me you know what was doable what was it and um I had one lady like respond back to me and say sorry there's nothing available and I just thought that was weird considering she had multiple properties available and still listed on the site. So I don't know what that was about, but that was a little weird for me. Mm -hmm. But other than that, it was, it seemed like a good experience. Yeah, because I know like, um, I know that Chris Burrow does that a lot. A lot of them do. Now, mm -hmm. okay, because like Jan and Lucas and Ollie and all of them, their companies have become really big now. So they're able to hire people, they're able to pay people, they're able to create more events, you know, in Europe to help people, you know, become more successful at what it is that they want to do language-wise. I don't know if you knew that they did just wrapped up the Language Influencer Summit two weeks ago. I did. By the time I found out about it, the tickets were, like, very high, so... Even though I, I, I am in Germany right now, uh, I didn't go. And I, I really wish I would have known about it beforehand. I can imagine how much the tickets were. Yeah, because someone asked me. They were like, oh, I'm going to be there. Are you going? And I was like, I didn't know. And so when I went to look, I was like, oh, no. Like, the tickets are like 300-something euro, and it doesn't even include accommodation. She was like, oh, I guess the tickets have gone up from when she purchased it. So I was just like... Mm -hmm. Yes, I will not be in attendance. Sorry. How much is, <laughs> is 300 and something euro in America? That's like, yeah, like, okay, you could say like 350 euro is probably like 400, almost $400, if not a little bit over $400. What the? Mm. <laughs> yeah, so you lose money when you change to euro. Wow. That is, that's a good them a dollar you get 85 cents back i think that's expensive yeah well see and that's another thing too like i had asked that question and i've been asking them all the same question why can't this be streamed because people cannot people that want to come really want to come they can't afford that that's a right. plane ticket somewhere 
it is you're you're absolutely right well but you know i give ollie richards some credit oh my god i give that guy some credit for real he is one smart brother (laughs) he (laughs) how to market things very well everything he does he actually takes the time to research the stuff he just doesn't it's not sloppy Mm-hmm. None of it. And um, yeah, he, him and I are friends on Facebook. And mm-hmm. I have been following him since like February of 2015. And I actually have to say like, he's, he's really an amazing success story in his own right. Um, but he'll be the first one to sit there and say, yes, I've studied 11 languages, but don't think I remember them all. (laughs) (laughs) And I mean, he actually does take what the people, um, that follow him say very seriously. He goes into his communities and he, that he has on Facebook and Instagram and all that. And he'll, he'll sit there and he'll read everybody's stuff. He'll respond back to you. You know, he's very. Mm-hmm. And I remember when him and Yang were in Mexico, and they were supposed to do a two-week immersion thing in Mexico, and it didn't go as the way that they planned it because I didn't mm-hmm. get any hardly any practice of Spanish. And but Ollie was the one that was speaking all the Spanish and doing all the transactions and blah blah, you know, making sure that they weren't going to get screwed over. <laughs> and. Mm-hmm. So I had written in because they were doing their, their YouTube live. So I had written in there and I had asked the question, you know, how difficult was it for you to be able to practice your Spanish while being in Mexico? But, and I think about every question I'm going to ask him because I want to make sure that this question pops. And so, so Jan was on his phone doing whatever Jan was doing. And so Holly was like, this is a good question. I'm going to ask a question. <laughs> And I guess Jan had like just skimmed over it because he didn't think that it was important. And all was like, this is important. <laughs> We're going to answer. <laughs> and he did. And I was like, all right. You know, and you could tell that he's genuine. Yeah. You know, and I mean, like, I've tried to ask like Benny Lewis questions and I've gotten like ignored. I I don't know him. I've never really interacted with him, but I, I'm not surprised that you say that. Um, and I mean, but I'm not the only one that has said that either. And I I feel like you're not either. I feel right. like I've and, heard this before. And I'm like, wow. I mean, because I read his book. I read his book. I had the audio book and I read the whole thing in one sitting. And Mm -hmm. the only thing I got out of it was, okay, well, you need to speak from day one. I mean, I got the confidence to speak from day one, period, but it really reaffirmed that you can do it and you can make mistakes and not be self-conscious. Because I was still going off of the whole Spanish Mm -hmm. fiasco that I had experienced in college. So that was, you know, and I wanted him to come on the show because I wanted to interview him but I never got a response so I just he had 
did his Benny boot camp thing last year. So I had, I had asked him, I said, well, is any of the, how long did it take for you? You know, the question was, how long did it take for you to be able to create your, your boot camp? And then I segued into it. Well, are you making this accessible with people that have print disabilities? He didn't understand what print disabilities were. And I said, I tried to respond and I got blocked. And I couldn't respond. Wow. And so I just, what I did was I, I unfriend, I stopped following him on YouTube and all social media because I felt like, well, hell, if I can't contact you, I even went as far as to email the response. I never got a response. Never. And people put him on such a high pedestal. And I said, I'm sorry, but I don't see what the big deal is. I actually enjoy the stuff that Steve Kaufman has to put out or Ollie or um, Luca Lampriello, for instance, or, um, you know, um, Stephen Krashen, I've been following, um, you know, not, not all of this. Like, I just, I, yeah. But I've talked to people just online and over the phone. And I said, so who do you think, you know, because we'll just talk about different polyglots just because, you know, there's some people we admire. Wow, you know, that's amazing. But you know, it took them forever to get there. It mm -hmm. just did. Like, I had the opportunity mm -hmm. to interview um, Vladimir Skoltetti. And we were supposed to have a conversation for an hour. It lasted for almost three. That's how in-depth the conversation was. And, and actually, it's like my number two most popular interview yet. Next to Alexei Polidoro of Learn French with Alexa. And, <laughs> and where, where I actually spoke some broken French. <laughs> but she, you could tell who the real genuine people are based off of, okay, they're willing to come on my show. They're willing to have a conversation about language learning. They're willing to talk about the pitfalls and, and you know, how they did it. I mean, because that actually helps people who are trying, you know, they're trying the best they can too. And they know that the people mm -hmm. that they admire or they follow, okay, well, we're not, they're human too. You know, they have their ups and downs with it too. Um, but yeah, I, I just, I've heard different opinions about Benny and a lot of it wasn't positive. And I said, well, you know, that tells me right there, you know, not everybody that is up in the, up and up, you know, they're people. That's all you can say. Yeah. Everyone's human. Right. And so, I mean, that's just like I, I tried to, I had befriended Ellen Javin as a prime example when I first started. And I, you know, I was wet behind the ears. I knew hardly nothing about language learning, language acquisition, language. I didn't have a degree in that. You know, I just mm -hmm. enjoyed learning different languages, speaking, you know, watching movies, all that type of stuff. 
everything I do in English, I want to do in the languages, which is my main motivation. So mm-hmm. not to mention, you know, be able to talk to people. But at the end of the day, I'm not looking to be native. Because at the end of the day, am I going over there anytime soon? Probably not. You know, I can talk to someone on Skype or, you know, WhatsApp Instant Messenger or Facebook Instant Messenger or whatever. I don't have to leave the country to do it. It would be nice, but realistically, financially, I I couldn't do that even if I wanted to. That would take me some time just to want to go to Russia. So... Even I know friends in Russia that will keep me in their house and probably ne- never let me go. But, <laughs> but I mean, because I've been, I've, I've had offers from friends of mine. So, you know, you come to Russia, I will host you for a whole month. You'll be fluent by the time. Yeah. Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> I'm like, well, spicy, <laughs> you know, so, but I'm just curious, like, as someone that, you know, is, is branching outward, you know, cr- trying to create content, trying to help people, especially African-Americans in particular, um, what, what do you find to, to be the most difficult thing that you've seen so far since creating your, your community, which I'm going to join, by the way, I Yes, please. Um, the 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 most difficult. I'm going to be honest with you, and this has recently come to my attention with some events. I'm not going to go into as well as the conversation we're having right now. But one of the hardest things is um, people that aren't your target demographic that are being attracted to what you're doing, and how to deal with that because. It's always hard, you know, sometimes you don't, you you don't want to alienate people. And sometimes you do have to change your target market to include um, adjacent uh, demographics. Right. And there's nothing wrong with that. You know, it's just, you have to, you have to make that choice. And so that's where I'm at right now, because it's like, all right when you start something because again all you all everyone knows is what's going on with them you know what I mean you know your experience I know my experience I don't know anyone else's experience except mine right black woman that's it that's all I know black woman who's chubby (laughs) well what up girl man (laughs) that's my experience and that's all I know (laughs) you know what I mean so for instance somebody else who may be um, a black woman, let me just say this, a black woman from New York City, you know, whatever. So maybe somebody else may be a black woman in a different term, for instance, because, you know, in other countries, black means something different. Right, right. So black in the U.S. or black in the U.K. is not necessarily the same as like how they would meet in, in the Netherlands. They may say someone's black, but that's not how we understand. Them, right. You know, I, take that into consideration there's a lot of things that I'm starting to become aware of now as I'm doing this and so it's like okay you do like you said you know when these things become to your attention you have to make a choice okay am I going to take the time out to kind of learn more about this so that I could be knowledgeable and include this adjacent demographic or am I going to say, well, no, I never really intended this to, you know, I never had them in mind anyway. So, you know, who cares? 
and you, you never want to do that but at the same time <laughs> you, you gotta be I'm protective of that space that I have right the group is closed group for a reason you know I don't just let everybody join because there's so few spaces so few safe spaces black women have right. in real life not let alone online right. so things I told myself was that this group is going to be closed not everybody can join it's mostly going to be for black women um and pretty much if you're not a black woman you need to prove that you're not going to upset that space because I feel like it's a space where everyone can come in and you can, you know, you can talk about language. You can talk about your musings as a black woman. If you want to come in and say, oh, you know, I hate how it is at my job. I'm the only black person on the team and I feel like I'm being treated unfairly. I, I want you to be able to come into our group, say those things and not feel like anyone's going to tell you, oh, maybe you're overreacting or maybe you 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 understood it wrong no I, I want you to be able to come into my group and, and be able to vent and to validate it so I have to keep that in mind too as I redetermine what the target market is you know right. what I mean so that's the the hardest thing and you know everything that you said earlier as far as you know accessibility and things like that there was um one of the things that kind of got me started thinking about it. There's a girl in the group. She's super active. I love her. Mm -hmm. She's disabled. And I didn't know. Right. And we were talking about something in the group. I think we were talking about moving abroad or something. And, and I had made a thread. I ended up making a thread, putting all the information for different countries that I've come across their, their um, different requirements for like living there. And she had commented that, because of the disabilities that she has, she's not able to do some of the things she wanted to do as far as living abroad. Like it, it doesn't it, like regardless of the amount of money she has in her bank account for like health reasons, I guess, because mm -hmm. of the health insurance and how right. the um, the social systems are in different countries. Um, like she kind of can't go. And I was like, wow, it never occurred to me because of that that's not something I had to ever experience. Right. So it was kind of like, okay, now I need to think about that. Like, not just with that, but just, okay, I don't even know how to begin to say, all right, um, what can I do to make sure that the topics are relevant to her as well? Right. Um, well, you know, it's funny and, you say that because Alexei Polidoro has said the same thing to me in the interview that I did with her back in October. She, I guess mm -hmm. her partner said, well, you have to realize that even though you have a, a website and you have a YouTube channel, you have to make it appealing for everybody, including people who have no vision or low vision. Asking right. me, you know, what did I think of her channel and let her know and blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. That I was almost speaking after seven months out of A2 in French. And that's me studying off and on. But I do have to say there are certain countries that people with disabilities want to go to because they're more accessible. Like if you're in the mm -hmm. UK, yes, that's a great thing. If you go to Germany, yeah, I believe so. I mean, there's blind people everywhere. But right. there are people with disabilities everywhere. But you got to find the, the places that are going to be more accessible to your needs. 
Like, I know someone that moved with their child. They're totally blind. They moved to the UK and started the process of becoming a UK citizen. And they got married to a UK citizen over there that was that was blind. So they're married now and they're living in England. You know, mm-hmm. so, and it took a minute for them to get all the, but but they were able to do it. You know, so I think it just depends on what her, I don't know what her disabilities are. I don't know what part of the world she wants to. Now, there are certain parts of the world I would most definitely tell people not to go to <laughs> if you're disabled. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, I wouldn't even tell a woman to go there <laughs> because <laughs> they shun people who are this. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, I think that's due to lack of education. You know, yeah. and exposure, but at the same time, mm-hmm. too, you know, a, a lot of things are due to lack of education and exposure when it comes to people yeah. overall. And so I guess that's why I'm happy to be a part of the language learning community and meet people that are like minded and that want to expand their minds and, and learn other people's languages. I mean, because like I watched the, the polyglot um, conference. Um, uh, talk that Alex Rollins had gave back in October mm-hmm. and he was saying you know don't give us people that speak English whether we're from the US or the UK or Canada or wherever a pass because we speak English make us speak your language you know right. because that's not fair you know we want to speak your language you know mm-hmm. but it's so rude when you hear people saying oh well we got so many people that are foreign and they can't even speak perfect english there is no such thing because <laughs> they have an accent you can't understand their accent that's what that's about they're not butchering the english language they're speaking it just fine you just don't understand them that's all because they right. have a thick accent don't 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 brutalize or humiliate someone because their English is not the same as yours. I mean, in the U.S., it, it's so, oh, my God. It, and it doesn't matter what your race is, whether you're black or you're white. I hear this from both sides. And I'm like, no, you're being ignorant. You try learning Spanish or you try learning German or you try learning this, this, and this. Guarantee mm-hmm. you they speak it better than you do. Mm-hmm. You know, so I, for me, I, I see that like, and I do see where people don't feel comfortable even talking about their own language learning process because people have completely just taken them the task over it. Like they committed a crime because they're not speaking perfect, whatever. Well, aren't you happy that they're trying to speak your language? That's what matters. That they're trying. Right. Not that they're, they're never going to be native fluent. You would you grow up in that right. country. So you will not have the same experiences as somebody from the Netherlands. And I right. mean, I'm learning Dutch, but guess what? <laughs> I can't find no one to speak Dutch with. Because they want to speak English. And trust me, they can be quite rude. Most definitely. Mm-hmm. Really? I've seen that. And a lot of people have said, I love the Dutch language, but nobody from the Netherlands wants to speak with me. 
You know why? Because they speak English already. They speak English already because in the Netherlands, and I also know in Sweden too, and I just know this from when I was living in Germany in the dorms with um, some Swedish people, they what happens is like in countries like that when they export the american entertainment they don't dub it so because they don't dub it they learn english because everything like the the entertainment that's on tv that comes from the u.s is in english so what ends up happening is you go to the netherlands or you go to sweden and everybody speaks english like you and i so it's almost like a de facto second language So then what happens is like, for instance, let's say I'm learning Swedish. Right. I go to Sweden to them. It's like, why even speak Swedish? Because even here in Sweden, we speak English. You know what I mean? Right. But see, this is the problem. If you move over there and you need to work, you got to know Dutch and you better know it well. Or they will freaking criticize you like it's nobody's business. I've seen videos on YouTube about how expats have gone over the 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 Netherlands and how mm-hmm. they're like, oh yeah, they're like brutally honest. They're worse than like the British and the Russians, dude. They they are real honest. Like they're they're, they're point wow. because they want you <laughs> to do better or be better at your your job or whatever. But when it comes down to mm-hmm. speaking their language, oh my god, you! I was like, really? <laughs> but yeah. Wow, I didn't know that. I, and I was just watching like different, you know, videos how they have, you know, what does the Dutch think of America or what does Germans think of America? And I mean, of course, they have the same idea. We eat too much. We have too much stuff. We, well, not everybody does that. <laughs> you can't compare everybody to a commercial you see on TV, but that's what, that's what they do. <laughs> All I, of I that. Have, all of yeah, that. a friend of mine from Russia said, I know everything about the U.S. You've never been to the U.S. a day in your life. Huh? No <laughs> way. Man, I got so mad know, at him. I, I went off that. on him yeah. in Russian and was like, okay, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I'm like, no. Until you come over here, don't you ever say that to me. Oh, well, I know it because of the internet. I'm like, What? <laughs> Yeah, I was like, but I made friends with his sister and his mom. So I knew my Russian was good when I could talk to her and she speaks no English for two hours. Mm. And I I like that method of being able to speak to somebody that speaks no English because it forces you to be able to utilize all the information that you've learned. Mm -hmm. If it's right or wrong. Right. Yep. Like, and his mom was like, your Russian is very good. So I, I knew I was speaking at C1 level, even though I had a few mistakes. But mm-hmm. I, it, that was after three years of, of, of intense, you know, crunching down and doing memorize, it, going over material again and watching a lot of news and a lot of this and a lot of, I didn't listen to any music. I mostly watched like TV shows like the talk shows and stuff. And I was able to follow the whole 2016 campaign from Russia. <laughs> Watching Russian TV. So that mm-hmm. that was a big thing for me. Um, 
Oh, I, need, I was going to ask you, what materials do you use? Just in case my listeners want to know, like, what's your process like when you start to learn a language? Like, what do you, how do you break it down for yourself? Well, um, <laughs> that's a good question because um, I'm having to go through this process now. Usually the languages I, I've, I started to like reinvest myself in, I already had contact mm-hmm. with. So it's like I already had a foundation. But um, I'm actually going through this with Portuguese because I've never been in contact with Portuguese at all. So I'm starting from A0, absolute beginner. And um, what I did was I, I'm still kind of learning, but um, not as... Uh, consistently because I have some changes going on mm-hmm. but I started off with that Duolingo just to learn some words and some phrases mm-hmm. and um, I started to listen to podcasts but I realized that was really overwhelming considering I'm starting at A0 and I didn't want to overwhelm myself right. so I pretty much just kept on with Duolingo it was hard because I was actually trying to learn Portuguese from Portugal and a lot of the resources are for Brazilian Portuguese. Oh, I love Brazilian Portuguese. Oh, well. Yeah. So I, I, as far as that goes, I haven't really been able to find a whole lot of resources for Portuguese. Okay. From Portugal. I'm going to send you after we finish. All right. Wonderful. Um, other than that, when it comes to Spanish, French, and German, I um I have a list of resources that I've used for those on my website. Um, for German, my my go to I would have to say is Deutsche Welle, which is a kind of a media source, media news that does mm-hmm. everything in German. You can learn about that. You can read German news, learn about history, learn about culture. They have interactive courses that are free. They have an actual novella specifically for people who are learning German. It's right now they're on season three. So um it's called Jojo Suktas Glück, mm-hmm. which um it's it's corny. It's really like the acting's bad, but it's 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 an it's entertaining. Oh wow, <laughs> it's so entertaining, and it's so too short though. I think they're like each five minutes, which sucks because I really would like love to see them at like thirty minutes each. But I think they're about five to seven minutes each episode. Um, it's really good. They're on uh, they're on um what do you call YouTube? Uh, season three. Okay, yeah, and I then, um. Mm-hmm. No, no, sorry. I was just gonna say for um. For French, there's kind of a, a comparable website. I think it's called TV Saint Monde, mm-hmm. um, and they also have like really good resources. And um, I think there's an interactive. I think I saw an interactive course. I hope it's still there. I know it was at one point. Um, for Spanish, I haven't found anything comparable, but. There is the LearnSpanish.com, which is free, and they have, like, lessons, kind mm-hmm. of like, they have, a, like, a la carte, in, but in a lesson kind of plan. Mm-hmm. They don't have, like, an actual interactive course, but it is, like, resources definitely enough to get you to, mm-hmm. you know, you probably could get to be one off of that. Right. I mean, because I still remember a lot of my Spanish from college, and I, I pretty much spoke to somebody from Colombia, and they were like, you realize you're fluent? I'm like, no. <laughs> you know, so, so I mean, and it, it's kind of funny too because 
I used to watch this show on Telemundo called um, El Corto de Pueblo with Senior Manuel mm-hmm. Franco and um, Con Senior Ways Manuel Franco. And so he he had this bailiff named Michael, who was a black guy with this with the Spanish dictionary in his hand, opened up every single episode. <laughs> and I would sit there and just watch the show because, you know, you have people talking about you owe me money because I bought this car from you or you didn't pay me money for the last month's rent or the apartment or whatever it was. And I was able to watch it and it was like a half an hour long and then they took it off and then they put somebody else on there and but it was it was really a good show to watch. And I would watch the news and I would watch telenovelas because they would be like six months long. So the whole story would mm-hmm. go for that for that length of time. And and I had a really good intermediate one professor named Barbara Martinez and she teaches at a, a religious school in um, Illinois now. And she wanted to take me and my friend with her to this school so we could study Spanish with her because I was good at the grammar. He was good at the vocabulary. And mm-hmm. I could have went to Cuba or Mexico for um, study abroad because my experience was good mm-hmm. at the time. And uh, my friends were like, you need to speak more languages because you're really good at it. And it wasn't until I hit 38, I started doing it independently. Self-taught. Mm-hmm. So I use, um, I used to use Pimsleur, but it's too slow. So I use um, TuneIn Radio. I use Michelle mm-hmm. Thomas. Um, I use um, Innovative Language Learning. And I actually have it for Russian. Because um, I just, I get, I, get, I know someone that works there, so she gives me a discount. So I'll get like a three-month membership for free of whatever language I want. Right now I'm at nine. Oh, nice. And then I just download the app, and you can download all the information to your library. So once the subscription's over, you get to keep all the information you downloaded. So, oh, nice. So I have it for Arabic, French, Italian, Swahili, Hindi, Japanese, Thai, Cantonese, and Turkish. So those are all the languages I have on the app. I mean, you got to log in and everything to each one. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then I just have all the information from beginner to to advanced. And, you know, I'll look at stuff or, you know, whatever I want to pick my brain for. But a lot of it is I watch France 24 news channel every day for about two hours. Mm -hmm. And I'm able to pick up most of the vocabulary in French. So that's what I do. I do a lot of um, passive listening for French, and then I just do active, you know, speak it. And then Mm -hmm. I I have Michelle Thomas' whole French course. And then I have most of the Italian. I have the Dutch, the Japanese. um, I want to get the Hindi. And then um, I have all of the Arabic, too. So, Mm -hmm. But, I mean, some of these, some of the languages I'm going to wait until um later on to really pursue them i'm right now i'm focused on the turkish the cantonese the thai um and then i'm I'm brushing up on my italian and my french while still practicing my spanish dutch (coughs) and russian so and people are like how do you not get these mixed up i was like because it took me a long time to train my brain to be able to separate them and I, I stick my head in that language and don't come out of it. 
Um, you know, so, I mean, for me personally, like, being able to speak a little bit, I can understand. I understand it just what well, just fine. <laughs> um, speaking it, no, <laughs> not so much. But I do love Rammstein. <laughs> I have Rammstein. I listen to Du Hast. <laughs> yeah, like I've been listening to Du Hast by Rammstein for like 21 years now. Like that—that's my favorite group, my favorite German group. So I'll, wow. there and I'll listen to it and like I have the whole album memorized and just about <laughs> yeah but I mean wow. for me I have to find stuff that interests me so mm -hmm. like I did six weeks on mango languages of Cantonese because they only had level one which was their equivalent of A1 so I went through that in six weeks and then I picked up the phone I made a phone call to a Chinese restaurant and started speaking ordering <laughs> food over the phone in Cantonese and giving them my name, address, and telephone number. And uh -huh. So that was my goal. Like, I do little mini goals. You know, help uh -huh. me with, you know, whatever it is I want to try to achieve, you know, in speaking the language or whatever. I do plan on getting Cantonese um, conversations by Ollie Richards at some point. Uh -huh. And because um, I love his story met um, method. Learning mm -hmm. by story because I like to read anyway. So uh, I'm okay. the one that sits there and likes to ask the question Do you have Harry Potter in this particular language? And people are like, Do you read anything? <laughs> I was like, Yes, but guess what? I'm also doing it because I want to see the language and how it kind of transfers from English to that language. And then if, it, if I'm reading it off of my Braille display and it's in an ebook format, then I can read it in that particular braille code and I can see how this is done, how this is spelled and the punctuation for this. And, you know, because that's mm -hmm. the writing system. And then because I, top of it, I can type it out on my keyboard, you know, so forth and so on. So that helps me on that end from, from, right. that, from a visual audio and tactile perspective. So that way, you know, I have it in my head because I visually map it out in my head. Like I'll be listening something and like if if it says like by koi un whole um fun jiao, which is approximately 50 minutes in cantonese and then you have mm -hmm. the place for which they're going to which is the airport and then you have the vehicle for which they're taking it to the airport and then you have the rest of it at the beginning all i gotta do is just switch the other stuff to the beginning the, uh, you know i just switch it all in my head visually in my head that way mm -hmm. I'm able to learn the grammar correctly. So, and this is all by listening. I'm not taking no notes down. I'm not doing any of that. And I, I oh, see wow. people that, oh, I have color coded. I was like, I remember those color coded pens. <laughs> and write and red until it went dead. And then I go to blue. And, you know, I used to have those five star notebooks. <laughs> used to <laughs> But no longer do that. And I don't, you know, like, I'm someone that, I don't know about you, like, are you someone that likes to collect a lot of language books, or you're more on the digital side of things? Um, I'm switching to digital. I used to have a lot of books. And unfortunately, with this transition I'm going through, I had to, like, make some hard decisions and let them go. 
Um, so now I'm switching to digital. I have a Kindle now. So I started downloading like the books off of Kindle that are available on Kindle Unlimited. So I have some German books. Like I have a German book called um, How to Write right. in German. And uh, it's it's got some, it's like a humorous kind of book at how to write. And it's kind of funny. And I like it. Um and um, I downloaded also like a children's story in Spanish. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, we did that. And, you know, so yeah, I'm switching to digital just because it's hard when you're trying to carry a collection of books from place to place. Right. Because I noticed people's like Lindy Boats, I had interviewed her last, the week before. And I saw on YouTube like all the books she had. I'm sitting here like this. When the heck do you have time to read this? <laughs> you know. So Yeah. You know, I have friends that are very kind to me. And like a friend of mine is sending me the audiobook of Lord of the Rings in Italian. Ooh. So I'm gonna be able to download it onto my iPad Pro because I bought an iPad Pro just for my languages. And so mm-hmm. I use that for like I use voice stream reader. And I, mm-hmm. I have that app and I, I put all my Harry Potter books, all my audio books and stuff like that inside of that app. And then, you know, um, I have in my iBooks, you know, my books for um, Apple because I have an iPad. So I do that and I all the, the, the digital books, like the eBooks, I have those all in there. So I have like all of the Italian for Harry Potter, the... the Swedish, the Romanian, a couple in Norwegian, a couple in I have all the Dutch in audio, of course. Um, I have two Brazilian Portuguese. Oh, by the way, do you have a library near you? That's a good question. I'm going to have to find out. I know where I was living before, there was like literally a, a library within walking distance. Um, I am going to have to investigate that. Because I was going to say the library is your best friend. Um, I use <laughs> the library. I use a lot of free resources. I don't buy a lot of stuff because I look mm-hmm. at it like this. If it's working for me and it's free, why not? My, I mean, my, no one my. has tons of money. As much as, I mean, seriously, I want to be able to buy one of Ollie Richards, you know, courses. And they're, they're not that expensive. It's like $297. So that's not too bad. But um, I, I plan on eventually buying one of his courses mm-hmm. towards the end of the year. I'll text you about that offline. <laughs> there are things I can't okay. say. But I can say that um, he's very helpful. Like he, most of his stuff is like A1, A2. Like if you're starting out oh, okay. in whatever it is. Mm-hmm. And then he has a lot of free resources on his website, mm-hmm. a lot of videos. And oh God, yes. It's, he's, his, he's had his site for about six years, going on seven years now. So, mm-hmm. and then his podcast for the past like four. So, I mean, I've been listening to him and Chris Brohome for uh, actual fluency. And then I got in 2016, late 2016, I got into listening to Kirsten, the fluent show, when she was like at episode 21 or something. 
or seven something like that. But I mean, I do have to say that these people have been very, very influential in regards to my own language learning, my own, mm-hmm. my own. I mean, literally, I've they've never like turned me down for questions. Lindsay has been amazing. Like she actually gave me a job led mm-hmm. for a job. Someone. Yes. Oh really? Um. Because I've been trying to find employment and cannot find employment. Um, well, it is hard when you, and that's another thing people don't understand. If you're disabled, depending on the disability, people are still somewhat, they discriminate. Right. So it's, it's very hard for me to get employment, even in my own country, you know. Wow. So and, and it is, it's very difficult. You know, and to be honest, you know, we're living, well, some of us are still living in Trump land where you don't Mm -hmm. know what's going to happen from one moment to the next. So um, in regards to people being hired or whatever, for whatever job, and you name the job, I've applied for it and I've gotten turned down. Regardless of how much education Mm -hmm. I have, how much experience I may have. Nope. So, you know, I keep myself occupied by, you know, helping people freelance wise with their English online, using social media and doing my podcast show and interviewing people like you guys and, and connecting with people. And I mean, I would love to come up with some really great idea to help people, you know, learn a language without feeling, you know, self-conscious about it, you know, people mm-hmm. are having those issues where they cannot they don't feel comfortable or they feel like they've gotten to a certain point with the language but they want to still play around with the language but they don't want to mm-hmm. feel like they want to offend anybody of that country for whatever language they're learning and I said mm-hmm. no one owns a language even a native speaker of that country does not own it it's something that they right. acquired over time because they were born there and they have to be able to communicate that's mm-hmm. mainly why language exists is for form of communication with people not because you want to be superior over somebody else so mm-hmm. people were talking about that at the um, women in um, language conference and when they were talking about creativity and in language learning and I have to say, I, I found that talk to be interesting, but some parts of it were like really boring. <laughs> and mm-hmm. I said, well, there are ways that you can actually like, you know, improve upon your language skills. Like, you know how, like if you buy something like a shelf or something, a TV mm-hmm. stand and it comes in English and then it might come in Spanish or Chinese. Well, whatever language you're learning and the directions come in another language, try to put it together in that language. Mm-hmm. That way- or better yet wait to to put it together take the side that's foreign to you look up the words learn the words the directions and everything and then put it together use that Mm -hmm. side of the paper that way you're getting your reading in your writing in your vocabulary you're speaking it you see what I'm saying you're utilizing that, mm-hmm. that piece of information to be able to build something. So instead of doing it in English, do it in German. You know, 
At okay. some point, you're gonna right. have to know what a drill right. bit is. You're gonna have to know. You're gonna have to know what this is, or that is, or a wrench, or a screwdriver, or a socket, whatever. Mm-hmm. You're gonna have to know those things. I mean, as much as I sit there and say sometimes, you don't need to know this. Technically, if you move to another country, yes, you do. <laughs> that's just as important so i mean i i I put that as a suggestion and someone's like i didn't think about it like that i'm like well yeah you're learning spanish put that thing together in spanish see how much do you see see how much spanish you know from reading it you'll be surprised you know yeah i mean because everyone's always talking about well you can make this type of book i was like well why don't you put the language the language that you do know to use Take mm-hmm. take a recipe or, you know, take, I don't know, like if you want to crochet something, but you don't know the word for crochet, you don't know the word for yarn, you don't know the word for needle or thread or whatever you need, learn vocabulary mm-hmm. words and then go to the store, speak what it is you want to buy. And that way you're, you're able to be more independent. Right, and, right. You know. That that all those little things add up. So I mean, if you take a week to do that, that's something that you've done. Mm-hmm. People are like, "Well, I really didn't do that much." Well, not all of it is about being in a textbook. You know, mm-hmm. you apply some of this to your daily life and how you live. You'll be surprised how much more information you get out of you know using it for your life, like in your life, like mm-hmm. okay. I know what teaspoon, tablespoon, measuring cup is in English. What's this in German or what's this in French or what's this in Italian? You know, mm-hmm. that way you're you're utilizing the language. I don't know if you've done right. that or not. You said Have what? you done that? Yeah, I actually made a video about that. Um, I, I didn't know there was a name for it. I found out there's a name for that. It's called... Um, content and language integrated learning so what it is is instead of learning the language you learn how to do a task in that language like you said reading the directions in spanish or whatever and i didn't know there was a name for that so i was like when i found out there was a name for that and that like this is something that people do to improve their language skills i was like wow that's that's so cool and i do advocate that you know one thing that i used to do i haven't been doing but i used to watch beauty bloggers german beauty bloggers so that way i could learn like the terminology because i worked at uh, a a luxury cosmetic retailer Mm -hmm. and there were a lot of tourists from germany well europe but specifically applying to me germany and so i wouldn't know certain things like i could talk to them but because you know i didn't you know, didn't use makeup. I didn't know some of the terminology. So I was gradually learning, like some of the words are the same in English. And then some of them, there's actually a German word for that. Um, So that's something that I used to do. And, um, you know, I do advocate like that really helps you tremendously, especially if it's something you're very interested in doing, because you learn more when you're like interested in that hobby or whatever. And you, you start learning more of that language before you realize it just because you're so interested in learning more about that. Hobby. Right. Right. I mean, cause I do the same thing like with Russian, I'm, I'm, I'm a very big historic buff. So I can go all the way back to 862 and tell you everything about what happened 
from the foundation of Russia, Kiev, Rus, all the way to the present. And mm-hmm. I was talking to someone that was Russian and they moved from Russia to Toronto. And they said, I have never met an American in my life that can sit up there and tell me about my own history with so much passion and enthusiasm as you. And I said, I've always liked Russian people. I don't know what, <laughs> you know, I've always liked people in general, but at the end of the day, when you look at it, you know, I like French people. I like German people. I, you know, I mean, now will I learn German? I don't know. Maybe depends <laughs> on if, if I'm, you know, I guess for me, I look at it like, okay, if I know some Dutch, Spanish, Italian, French, I'm okay with that, you know, for Western Europe. I'm okay for that. But when we're talking about the East, yes, I want to learn Arabic and I want to learn Turkish and I want to learn Cantonese, Japanese, and Thai. And then I want to learn Hindi and Swahili because it's a heritage language. And, Mm -hmm. um, you know, Russian is my big big language. My one of, out of the three, you know, Russian, French, and Italian, those are like my three favorite of all since I was a kid. So those are the languages, but the rest of it is because we have a large Asian, Middle Eastern, um, Hindi community, Russian. I mean, we have Dutch, Italian, a couple of Germans, you know, but, um, you know, we just have a global community here in Akron. And in Ohio in general, the language community is very large, especially in Cleveland, Cincinnati, and Columbus. And so um, I look at it as I, I want to be able to communicate with people in those languages other than English, you know, all the time. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure that that will give them a break from having to speak English so much. You know, mm-hmm. they, they could speak their own and feel comfortable. I mean, and I've, I've been embraced by Japanese people, people from Hong Kong, people from mainland China, people from Japan, people from Korea. You know, um, I haven't learned Korean yet. Even I do go to this Korean store because they sell my, um, they're the only ones that sell Pantene for African-American hair. <laughs> really? Yes. Well, the, the conditioner at least. Because I have an afro, mm-hmm. so okay. and I cut it low in the summer, the spring, summer, and fall, and so I, I've been all natural since t- the end of twenty thirteen. So, um, for me personally, I was going to ask you that anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, speaking of that, I'll just segue into that anyway. I wanted to ask, what is it like living in Germany as a african-american expat expat oh uh it's definitely well this is a an experience the first time i lived in germany was under the sofa agreement because my mother was in the military so that was kind of a different experience Mm -hmm. and then three three so yeah that i moved so then I I, did, I was doing this thing where I was like living under sofa, but living on the economy, which was a little weird because it was like, I didn't have to worry about doing all the paperwork with immigration and stuff like right. that, but I wasn't living on the military base. I was actually living 
in the like on the economy and like renting right. a room and having to deal with the landlord and this and that. So it was kind of weird. It was almost like living there as if like I had like a like the residence permit to live there. So now I'm like kind of it's like different. Now it's kind of like full force. You have to go to immigration. You have to do this. You have to do that. So it is a little different living in those three different scenarios in another country. But one thing I can say is that um, living in the U.S. has kind of, especially in this past, I want to say eight years, uh, nine years, I guess you could say, uh, you know, the, the race relations in the U.S. have become tense and a lot of things have been uh, uh, put on the table for discussion that weren't on discussion, you know, on the table for discussion right. before. And so that has made me more aware as far as like behaviors and 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 like being like before you couldn't put a, a name we didn't have a name for microaggressions you know you know what i mean like we didn't have a name for microaggressions we just knew that it was you know related to race it was it was it was because of race because of culture because of you know na- you know country of origin so now that i know these things that sometimes you know i feel like it's a curse uh, I feel like sometimes that kind of guides my interactions. But one thing I will say, coming to this time, I'm in a small town, like really small town. And I actually was expecting it to be a little resistant to, uh, you know, people different that are not German. But um, I'm finding actually it looks like it's the opposite. Mm-hmm. I see a lot of people from different places because it's a student town, like it's a university town. Mm-hmm. I'm seeing a lot of people from different places. And I see a lot of people that seem to be embracing diversity and the creativity and the intelligence, the the knowledge that comes with it, that comes with hiring or working with people from different places I see progressive thought here Mm -hmm. so it is it is good but one thing I will have to say is stuff is not as cheap as the U.S. I really miss a lot of things I'm going to tell you right now um I'm not the biggest meat eater like I used to be even though I I started back eating meat but I'm not the heaviest but I do miss Popeyes I'm not gonna lie oh my god (laughs) it's so funny you say that because I have been mm-hmm. in Akron, and there is a Popeyes on the east side of town, and I've been here for almost four years, and still haven't been to Popeyes. Oh my god! Yeah, I we have Popeyes in Cleveland. I grew up with Popeyes, so like, mm-hmm. you know, she bought, she sold yeah. her whole chain for like a couple billion dollars or something, or seven hundred million or something. No. That may explain why it's been tasting different lately, but uh, that may that may explain why. I did not know that. That's good to know. I know. I know there was a post on Facebook. There was like a meme because I guess the CEO on the commercials is not the CEO, the actual CEO anymore. Right. Didn't know that. Then now that makes right. sense. Right. Um, I mean, now it's funny too because. Just like when Colonel Sanders passed away 39 years ago, you know, in the 80s and 90s, the Kentucky Fried Chicken was good. Now it tastes like crap. Right. Uh, and I mean, like, 
like, okay, you know what the size of a chicken breast is supposed to be. <laughs> Let me tell you something really quick about that. So, you, I don't know if you know, but there's KFC in Germany. And I remember the first time I went to KFC in Germany. This was, this was like, um, this was a while ago. This was obviously like, whew. I want to say like 10 years ago, I'm dating myself, Um, maybe even 15 years ago. Goodness. So anyway, I went to KFC here and, you know, I'm used to the way the American fast food is. So I went to KFC and this was in Schweinfurt um, and I had ordered like a chicken breast and a wing or something. And I got the breast. And because at the time, I know that the food standards have changed a little bit in Germany, but at the time they didn't use hormones and stuff. So the chicken breast was the size that was supposed to be. But because I was used to the American stuff, I was like, this looks like a thigh. What is this? And I was like, kind of stood there going back and forth with the woman like, no, I wanted a breast. And she's like, yes, that's a breast. And I'm like, no, that's a thigh. She's like, no, it's a breast. I'm like, no, this is so small. This is a thigh. And then um, my friend came over to see what the problem was. And then she was like, oh, no, they don't use hormones. So that's right. I was like, what? And it was just so crazy because I guess in the U.S. we pump all of our stuff full of hormones. So it's really, really big. And I just was like, that was news to me. Like, oh, wow. I didn't even realize. Like, that's what a chicken breast is supposed to look like. Wow. You know, it's so funny you say that because, like, I stopped eating, like, I start more cooking for my, mm-hmm. so I have, like, a new wave oven, and I will literally cook. Like, I don't fry an ounce of nothing. It gets all mm-hmm. in there. No grease, no fat, no nothing. Mm-hmm. And it, 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 I've lost, like, a ton of weight doing that. And then I stopped eating beef, and I eat more chicken, fish, and turkey. And I eat rice and vegetables and I make stir fries and oh yeah, more water, yogurt, all that. And I'm not even diabetic or anything. I'm healthy as a horse, but I just see like in in the African-American community, diabetes, high blood pressure, high cholesterol. Yeah. Yeah. And so, I mean, I see a lot of people where, oh, people need to stop drinking pop and drink more water. And I was like, yeah, but if you drink too much water, you can get sick too. So it's like everything has to be in moderation. Right. Yeah. Oh, I wanted to ask this question. Now, when you started working, like in Germany, as an example, when you started to like speak German with your colleagues, were they more (laughs) susceptible to you speaking it or were they a little bit hesitant? Well, that's it. That, <laughs> okay. Um, well, the first time I actually like was working like with Germans, the last job I had, um, what happened was I, the job was, it was a kind of like, it was based in the U.S., but since the headquarters was in Germany, we would have a lot of extended business trips, like be gone in Germany for a month or be gone in Germany for three mm-hmm. weeks like that. So when I went the first time, I think people just didn't really pay attention to me because I was probably the only black person. Like, it it, it was a huge campus. And when I say a huge campus, it was as big as a military base. Wow. And in this whole campus, you didn't really, I hate to say it like this, 
but you really didn't see a lot of black people. Like you would see, you, you there's maybe five black people, including me, and I wasn't even permanently there. I was just there on assignment like three, four times in the year, I guess. And um, I'd see people, and, and 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 I'd notice like, okay, there'd be like two black people in the offices, and you know they like mixed looking, and then there'll be like three black people in the workshops, like dark skin like me and I'm just like okay and I was probably like the darkest person in the office but whatever that's that's I guess that's neither here nor there but anyway in saying that they probably saw me and didn't give me a second thought because there's not a lot of black people so I did a lot of my communication with them over the phone and through email so then when it came time for our next business trip where I actually was like to to visit them and to, to network with them again they were so used to seeing my name and hearing my voice. They, they didn't really know what I looked like. So when I came to like introduce myself, like, hi, I'm Shahida. I'm the one that you've been emailing with. You know, we work on these things together, this project together, that project together, whatever. Everyone was really shocked because I don't think, I don't think they were expecting like a brown girl to come. I think they were expecting like someone who was German because, a lot of them were like, I, I've been told that when I speak German, I like they would never imagine like a Brooklyn that I almost sound like an old German white lady. <laughs> so, so they were really, you could see it in their face, like, oh wow, like I threw the my whole thing through them for a loop, like they were not expecting me. But they were really, really, I could tell they were very fascinated, like, wow you speak German like that well, how did that happen? And a lot of people very interested in my story, very impressed with my German. I very rarely had someone like, oh, you don't need to speak German with me. We can just speak English. I think maybe I had that um, once or twice, like with someone and they were like, you know, just to avoid any confusion, we'll just speak English. And it did kind of come off a little like, I guess elitist, you could say like, eh, you you don't have to speak German. Like we can just speak English right. because my English is way better. Like um, whether that's the case or not is another story. But, you know, I very rarely encountered that. Honestly, to be honest with you, I encounter mostly people who are like, oh, no, I don't want to speak English because your German is way better than my English. <laughs> that's cool because, I mean, I know for some African-Americans to even think about learning another language other than English is a foreign concept. Um, at least in the U.S. Now, I mean, I have seen a few people, but very few. No, it's not. And that's the reason why I started my platform. It, it seems like it because when you don't see the representation, you think it's a foreign concept. But my group, is about it's it's about it's a it's, it's going to be at one k soon. Right now, I think it's almost eight hundred people in my group, eight hundred women in my group that know other languages fluently, or they're studying them, or they're language enthusiasts, and it really makes me so happy because growing up, I felt like I was the only one, and people made me feel like, oh, that's not common. But now that I started the group, you know, and I started, you know, I have the Instagram and everything. Now that I started that, I really see like it, it, in my like what I believed was true, even though I didn't have the proof. Right. 
what I believe was true is that we do learn other languages and we are interested in other cultures and that's a thing it's not an anomaly and so that's why I think my platform is very important because I know that it's easy to think that and feel that way especially when the language community is always showing a certain type of demographic that you don't identify right I mean it is is Um, very I mean honestly unless like you know somebody that knows somebody that knows somebody uh yeah it's 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 I this is all I see you know I don't right I mean I actually have a 20 year old friend that's I've been friends with for a year now and I interviewed him like three months ago and uh-huh. he just has a basic high school diploma but this guy speaks German Russian Spanish Brazilian Portuguese English Patawa because he's from you know French he speaks like seven different languages all self-taught that's amazing and, and him and I will speak and stuff and he he, he became B1, B2, and Brazilian Portuguese in like a year just using the mm-hmm. Pebble app. And that is very possible. Yeah. So, um, I mean, honestly. and a lot of it was that he was motivated, but he even said the same thing. It's very hard when you live in a monolingual country to find people that are like-minded like you, that like languages or anything else for that matter. Unless you mm-hmm. try to tap it. I mean, because if I wouldn't have bought the ticket for women in language, I wouldn't have known you and Tamara Marie existed, let alone Joy <laughs> or anybody else. So, right. and, and that, and I mean, and it is, it's, this is what you, and I, I brought this up in a couple of interviews with my European polyglot friends, and I said, this, mm-hmm. No offense to you guys, but there's not enough enough diversity. It yeah. really isn't. I mean, okay, and I, what I mean by diversity is, okay, let's talk about the people from the Caribbean. Let's talk about the people right. from Haiti. Let's talk about the, the Latinas and the Afro-Americans and in the African diasporas because there are Black people in every country. Right, right. Germany that were born in Germany that are German. So I said, let's discuss this because this is important. You know, right. to me, it's like, once again, you get into a popular a group, whether it's languages, it's film, it's whatever. When, when it's not equally proportioned, you kind of feel like you're the only one. Mm-hmm. You know, yes. and like with Moses... You know, everyone's like, well, people would love to hear Moses speak. Look, I brought that up to Richard Simcock in an interview. I said, why hasn't Moses come to a, a, a Langfest or, or a polyglot gathering or a polyglot? He was like, I've been trying to get Moses since day one. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and I think some of it is financial. Now, I mean, honestly, I'm going to be honest. I do feel like sometimes there might be some favoritism. Mm-hmm. In our community. Mm-hmm. So if you're friends with so and so and so and so and so and so, then maybe you'll get help from so and so and so and so. 
Yeah. And I noticed that. Mm-hmm. And then I also noticed that, like, I brought that up, and I guess Moses was watching this because <laughs> I had brought it up on Facebook. And, um, and Richard said, I would love to have you come to speak at one of the conferences. But I look at it like, if you want someone like that and you know they can't afford it, dude, I would be, I would, I would try to get people together to buy a plane ticket, help out with something. Right. You know, I, I, I can understand that. Because that's important. We, we need representation just like everybody else needs representation. And I kind of right. feel like the same people are, are being put in the forefront even though that's not their intention. Trust me, it's not. I mean, right. they, they, they're really sweet people. But I just personally feel because it is such a Anglo-Saxon situation. Mm-hmm. It's very hard to get people to, to be able to go. Like mm-hmm. even here in the U.S. I said, why can't we have something here in the U.S.? you know, for languages. Because to be honest with you, a lot of people want to uh-huh. go. But then I've been hearing from Kirsten and Lindsay and other people, well, I've seen people from America. And I said, I guarantee you they weren't Latino. I guarantee you they weren't black. Uh-huh. <laughs> that, that I guarantee you. Yeah. <laughs> or, I mean, and I, it, because... To, to be honest, I bring this up too in the language learning community. Do not think that everyone has a black card. Don't think that everyone's credit card has no limit. They right. The struggle is real. Right. <laughs> Financially and otherwise. And so, you know, right. I also put you can learn a language with no money. This is you true. Know, you can do these things with no money. Now, mind you, you want to go somewhere. Yeah, that's when you're going to need the money. But right. I would, I would love to see people in the language learning community do a GoFundMe page, just to donate money to send Moses and his family to Japan. For real, if people can spend money on textbooks, they can spend money on Italki courses. Why can't they spend money to donate to send somebody of Moses' caliber to Fukuona in October? Right. You see, I think that would be. I think that would be a lovely gesture. You know, they talk about let's give back to certain things. Well, if that's the case, if you want to give back to something, give it to somebody who is making a difference in the language learning community that has never spoken at a conference before. Yeah. I, I think that would be a great idea. Along with I think that's a great idea the, as well. Along with streaming the, the conferences. Because I don't know if you've noticed this, but every time there's a conference or a polyglot gathering, it's like six months before you see the video on YouTube. Mm-hmm. So it's like, okay, there's a lot of improvements that could be needed to help make these better and more appealing to people. Because all mm-hmm. the saying is that the people that can afford it can go. 
This is true. Yeah, so I mean, I I think that there's always improvement that could be realized in the language community, and then it can't just be about a one selected group of people. It has to be about everybody. And if they're gonna say everyone learns differently, then you put your words where your mouth is. Make your sites accessible. Make information mm-hmm. accessible. Just don't put it in PDF format. Put it in TXT format for Windows. And put it in rich text format for Mac and iOS. Because at the mm-hmm. end of the day, and audio, because at the end of the day, not everybody can read print mm-hmm. in the same way. And not everybody can access their website either. Like Shannon Kennedy's website used to be accessible. I have no idea what the hell happened. Because I can't navigate it anymore. Oh, but I used- yeah, I don't know. Yeah, so I'm just like, okay, <laughs> I gotta let her know that because it's not, it's not. I can barely get to read an article now. So, oh, no. so for me personally, as a language learner and a polyglot, my own right, you know, I mean, if once I do come up with my own page and I, I, you know, decide to do that, um. You know, I'm going to try to make it sure that stuff is accessible. You know, of course, I'm going to have to have people that know more about that subject matter than me. Because I am not a tech person in that 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 same way. So, mm-hmm. I mean, honestly, I, I personally feel that with... Um, minorities and language learning in general like because I had talked about this with um, Jimmy Mello when I interviewed him back in October of last year and I said well why is it that we you know you you have people who they're learning the language whatever that language is they're trying to speak the language and then they're getting criticized by the native speaker because they might have made a mistake while speaking, but yet when they speak English, we're supposed to be accepting of their mistakes and not be critical. Mm-hmm. But they, they have the right to be critical. Mm-hmm. Their language, which I've, I've seen that happen. Like, a lot. Yeah, and I, I, yeah I can see that. Mm-hmm. Um, I Especially in the Latin community, and I, I wouldn't have never thought that, but given the fact that I've had face-to-face interaction with people and mm-hmm. I've had that negative, you know, experience, um, plus I've had it over the internet. Um, and, and if don't ever say that you have a disability because the first thing that they'll sit there and say is, well, I thought people that couldn't see can't, well, there's different versions of, of yeah. So mine isn't, I'm not totally blind. I'm partial. So I can't, I can see everything, but I can't see the stars at night or I can't read past three feet in front of me. Right. And and the thing is, a lot of people don't, like, I didn't know. The only reason I kind of got exposed to it is because 
when I used to work for, and I guess I can say the company's name because they don't exist anymore. I used to work for Airtrain Airways. Mm-hmm. And Airtrain Airways had a group called VIP, which mm-hmm. is um, visually impaired persons. Mm-hmm. So everybody in the, in the group, everybody on that team um, was visually impaired to different degrees. And that's when I got to learn that, uh, you know, basically if someone's visually impaired, it doesn't mean they're completely blind. Right. And um, one of the girls on the team, we actually became friends and I would hang out with her outside of work. And even then, because she was partially like she couldn't like she could she had to use like the magnifier and stuff like that for to use the programs or whatever. Right. Um, but, you know, she couldn't drive stuff like right. that and she couldn't see small print and stuff right. like that. So what ended up happening was I'm like, I remember one time we went to a Chinese restaurant and obviously I was driving cause she can't drive. So we would go places. And I remember one time we went to a Chinese restaurant and she was like, Shahida, can you read this? I looked at her like, are you serious? And then I had to remember like, Oh yeah, that's right. She's because right. to me, she can see because she can see things. I'm thinking like, Oh, she, you know, you, I always forget. She's not old, you know, she's partially, right. And that's something I have to like constantly, like every time she would ask me, can you read that for me? And I'll be thinking to myself, like, what do I look like? And then I have to think, wait a minute, Shahida, she's partially, like I had to remember because normally when someone says they're visually impaired, you expect them not to be able to see at all. Right. And there, and see, this is the thing. There's certain, okay, let me put it like this. I'll give you the four categories. There's high partial. So those are the people mm-hmm. that can see 20, 200. They can still read regular print they could still like if they see 2100 like 20 and then the number 100 they can still drive okay okay now okay you have some people like that then you got some people that can read large print which is Mm -hmm. or higher i can read large print but it has to be 48 font i can read like i can see the people magazine clearly i can read the word people I can read the print underneath it. You asked me to flip the book open and to read the article inside of the book, you can forget it. Okay, all right. That's out of one eye, my left eye. My right eye, I can't see anything out of since birth Um, because I have what's called retinopathy of prematurity. So that's, I was born one pound, 13 ounces, 42 years ago in Cleveland, Ohio. And I was born Uh eight weeks. And because of the oxygen, I had too much oxygen. My eyes didn't develop very well because I, I wasn't at the proper weeks. My, um, they were able to save the sight in my left eye. They were not mm-hmm. save the sight in my right eye because it was not developed. And I had cataracts, so they removed them twice. Well, the cataract in my right eye came back. And so this was my good eye. So I'm able to see buildings and people and the sky and the clouds and birds and all that. Cars mm-hmm. on the street right now. It's nice and sunny outside. There's mm-hmm. leaves on the trees. Okay, fine. But if you ask me to, we pull up to your house and I say, hey, this is great, blah, blah, blah. You ask me, what's your address? I could look at the house, but I couldn't tell you what the address was because it's too far away. Okay. So, okay. So, like, I could still write checks with sight checks, the big print checks. But, like, if I need to read something, I have to go way up close to it. Okay. So, um, 
you know, but I, I still see everything clearly. Uh, like my color vision and my peripheral vision are just fine. It's my central vision. Mm, okay. So I have okay. to explain it in that way for me personally. So I'm still visual in a lot of ways. Um, I just can't drive a car. I know what one looks like. Yeah. Would I like a Hummer? Yes. Would I like an S? <laughs> you know, okay. I could read the back of the license plate number. I get right on top of it. I could read it. Now, if you asked me what the name of the car was, I couldn't read the emblem that's next to the gas tank. I couldn't mm-hmm. read that. I know it's there, and I could see that little oval, but I couldn't tell you that because it's too small. So, okay. like, I would need help with, like, for instance, filling out paperwork. 